And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode, a special episode, number 322 of This Old Marketing, the content creator episode to celebrate, well, CEX. That's right, for Thursday, April 28th, because both of us will be in Phoenix at the CEX event when this airs. And with me, as always, is my good friend, my colleague, and the guy who's getting all the CEX, Mr. (laughs) Joe Polizzi. See what you I caught did me there? by surprise on that one. That was yeah. that was pretty. Yeah, there good. you go. It's, that's that's the way we roll. It seems like it's always my fault with these special episodes. Like you, when you travel, like you always work around your schedule. And when I have something going on, even though we're both doing this one, it, this one's sort of my fault. Uh, it, it always just seems to be, you know, Joe's got something going on, so we got to do another special episode. It's welcome to the story of my life. I mean, this is this is. <laughs> I live my life around the schedule of Joe Polizzi. I live my life at the pleasure of Joe Polizzi, really, if you if we if we think about it. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's good to define your role. And, and I That's right. You, I think you've <laughs> well done played. that very yes, very I well. I think I have. No, I, I, I think I have defined my role. I really well, appreciate yes. it. No, we're recording this and we just recorded the last one, but recording this uh, you know, 3 days before Creator Economy Expo. I already know of a lot of people that are already on their way to Phoenix. I'll be leaving in about 24 hours from now uh, to get on a plane and, and do all the... Oh, you're going to spend the whole weekend. Yeah, I mean, okay. a lot of people... Look at Robert, I'm going to tell you something about events. I don't know if you know this, but yeah. you can't just show up. Like, I can't show no? up Monday morning and then it just all unfolds. I have to be there because, you know, I'm the one that handles all the details. <laughs> uh, yes, that's correct. That's 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 absolutely for all of you who just listened out there. Uh, that is the most bullshit thing that you've ever heard. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know you're the details guy. Yeah, you're absolutely the details guy. But I know that you do have to be there because all those people, um, uh, they love you. Well, no, they're, they ex- they're waiting I don't know for about you that. to get there. They all do, the people who do handle the details. I am. I'm hosting this year, so you know, I'm saying it like it's we've had it before. This is the first year. For Creator Academy Expo, so I, I'm going to host it. Uh, I'm going to, uh, you know, do all the most of the intros, and we've got some fireside chats, and I'm actually doing two presentations myself. We'll talk about some of those as we go, but I'm really excited. I, I got to tell you, I was a little bit worried that we weren't going to get to where we needed to get, but we're, we're definitely well over the 300 mark at this point. We got some amazing sponsors. HubSpot was great. Um, you know, it's funny, you know, we talked about this, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I used to rail on HubSpot all the time because I was, <laughs> this is back 10 yeah. years ago, right? That's right. When we first well, started the podcast. Before they started writing you checks. Yeah. When they, back before they stopped writing checks. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, yeah, my, my opinion has definitely changed of them. I'm <laughs> sure it has. So, I'm sure it has. So supportive. Yeah. No, they're, they're really going all in on this podcast network thing. Uh, they're doing a whole contest at CEX where you can pitch your idea for a podcast and if they like it they'll they'll fund it uh oh that's a great yeah and that's something that's a fun idea it's a real it's really fun so i yeah i'm totally like a shark tank kind of thing exactly exactly so you're you're going to be there people can send them in ahead of time 
but you can be there. They're going to take your video, do your little, you know, 60 second pitch and, uh, and you'll be there. And there's a lot of other, of course, amazing sponsors. You and I will be there for rally creator day. So we both have our mm-hmm. own creator coins and we'll be learning from other creators and listen to case studies and how they're mine. By the way, I have a launch date for mine. So just, I, I haven't even told you this I, yet. No, I, I don't do know. I have a launch no. date. Yeah. So June 1st is going to be the D-Day for my little thing, which I will tell more about on So that's where the plan of this the, old marketing. The plan and everything will, will come alive. We'll, we'll know what it is. That's right. That's right. There will actually be a landing page up as uh, at uh, at CEX, which I can actually say now because um, yeah, it, by the time this hits the air, sure. it'll 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 be there. It's experienceadvisors.io, um, and uh, you can go check it out and just read about it. Um, but June first will be the official launch day. Congratulations! That is very yeah. It'll exciting. be fun. Well, don't congratulate me yet because it's not done yet. But you know, it's just like it's getting close. So, so you're going to let us close. know the idea behind idea I will. coin. I will. Is this a, that's right? Yeah. Wow. There you go. There's something there. I'm. It's a fun very thing. Excited. It's a real fun thing. Yeah. So since we're, you know, leading into Creator Economy Expo, I think you and I thought we would talk a little bit about the anatomy of a content creator and. Yeah, uh, seems seems right. Including seems us, like by the, the right way. decision. Yeah, including us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah we're we'll share some of our experiences. But um, did you want me to to kick off with some of the research? Well, what I want, or what do you want to do? Well, that's what I that's what I want to do is because you know, and this, by the way, speaks directly to my presentation at CEX, um, which is you know the the most important thing if you're going to make a business out of content creation um and you know one of the things that i love so much about what you launched here is that you call these folks content entrepreneurs because it is about the business of doing this um and it's knowing your audience and i think the research it's a great place for us to start this because the research of what is happening today in the content creator economy is really important and surprising, I think. I think a lot of things that you would have assumed are not true, and a lot of things that you may not have thought about are true. And uh, it's it, it's really interesting. So that's a great place for us to start. So share some of the research and what you're going to be talking about in the opening keynote there. Absolutely happy to. So this is our second year doing um, our research behind what makes up a content entrepreneur everyone i don't know if you've seen some of the research lately but linktree came out with a stat and they said there's 200 million content creators whatever those mean to them and signal fire before that was 50 million so whatever we've got 25 million 50 million 200 million whatever we got a lot of people that want to look at content creation as a full-time business but your point is so critical what are you there's an end to this, right? There's a why behind it. I talked to, with Ann Hanley, who's um, going to do a great keynote at uh, Creator Economy Expo, and she so she's doing her keynote about the you know the why behind we do this in the first place. Not just oh let's get more audience or uh, you know let's drive more revenue, but let's really talk about why you are doing this. You are in the business of content. You have a product, hopefully. Uh, you know, we, we know so many people out there that are creating content and they've got podcast, they want more listeners, they want more subscribers, but to what end? So that's really what that's we right. want to think about is to what end. And the other thing 
and I'll get to some of this amazing research that the, that the team put together. My concern about the creator economy as a phrase, if you will, is because it's used by a lot of media companies out there. And when they talk about creator economy, the first thing they talk about is, here's what TikTok is doing. Here's what YouTube is doing. Here's what Patreon is doing. Here's what all these software companies are doing. But they don't talk about the core of what makes up the creator economy, and that's the creators. Those are the content entrepreneurs. <laughs> right. Those are That's yep. it. The creator economy would not exist if it weren't for businesses that are trying to actually become financially independent through generating consistent content and building an audience. And then from that audience, we drive, you know, different forms of revenue as we go. And we'll talk about some of that. So I, I guess I was, you know, you and I talked about the idea that, okay, we create, we called this thing creator economy expo, but part of me was like, I don't know if I want to do that because are we feeding into them? Cause I wanted to call it content entrepreneur or something, but that's actually, I think part of my keynote, that you know, well, this will be done by the time people listen to this. But I wanted to do a little play on the CEX, not in the gut, not in the gutter like you would do, but the CE creator economy and CE content entrepreneur. And so that that's well, you I'm, could you could change the name at some point to content entrepreneur experience. Ooh, and then the X is for experience. Oh See what I did God. there? This is why you have me around. That's this actually is my not, role. That's actually this not is a my bad role. idea. That's that is yeah. Because you and we could keep CEX obviously. So you can that's go right. Many yeah. places. Well, of course, I might do that. We'll see where it goes. Um, yeah. So, anyways, we interviewed uh, in detail a thousand plus content creators, and I've got some key talking points. I'm still kind of working through my keynote, trying to figure out. What's the most? What a shock! I know. I always what wait. A shock. I what always a shock. wait till the last minute, but I'm yeah. good at this. Yeah, because it, it about an hour beforehand, it really hits me, and I'm like, "This is the key message. This is what I have to get across." <laughs> so there's right. a couple things. First of all, you you and I talked about this on the last episode about the time. So what we found out is full time creators. So full time creators. These are people that are doing this full time. It's not a side hustle. It's not a side job. So they're creating content full-time as their career choice, if you will. And what we found out is full-time creators say it takes roughly six and a half months to see their first dollar. And then another 10 months to fully support themselves as a business. So basically, you're looking at 17, 18 months total from launch to to supporting one person. So I think that's important. For people listening to this to know, did you measure? Did you actually measure? Because I actually have an anecdotal uh, number for you that because I've been doing a lot of coaching of content creators over the last year, um, so it's a small sample. Um, you know, in the you know maybe in the fifty to hundred range, um, but there's a there's the time from idea to launch too. Did you did you guys measure that? We don't. I don't think we have that one. No, absolutely not. But yeah. what, did, what did you so find I with would, that one? I found that it's about six months. Um, and and one of the things that I found about that on the qualitative side was how frustrating it is for many of these content creators because, you know, as people, we're not terribly good planners. Um, we're not terribly good project managers. Uh, and we're not, especially when it comes to our own stuff, right? You know, we may be a great manager at work, but then, you know, the, the, our own 
side hustles or side projects or projects just generally we want to do <laughs> everything from cleaning out the closet to launching a content, you know, platform. Um, we're not very good at it. So what ends up happening is, is that instead of measuring twice and, and, and cutting once, we do a lot of thrash, right? Oh, we start down this platform and we get all of our logos updated and we get our first post up there and then we go, eh, this isn't right. And then you start again and you start again. And there's a lot of starts and fits uh, I found. And it's about six months from the first idea to the launch idea. What I also found is, is that the first idea, and this is something that I've even experienced in launching my own new little thing, which we just talked about, is that the first idea is very rarely what launches. It, it is almost, it is al- in many ways, it's diametrically opposed to what launches. And so don't feel bad about that, right? If you're getting started in this kind of thing, it is, don't feel bad about the idea that, you know, that there's a lot of what feels like thrash in that first six months before you get to launch in dollar number one. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then it'll change again. It's going to probably change again as you get into dollar number five and dollar number hundred and, you know, and on to the 18 months that you just talked yeah, about. That's a great point. It's, um, I, I referenced the other day, the Rolling Stone article on Mr. Beast, which is a great yeah. article for any content entrepreneur to read. And Mr. Beast says, you know, what they asked him, what does it take to become a successful YouTuber? And he says, go make a hundred horrible videos and then and then get to 101 and then you'll know. Right. It's like, that's right. And, and a lot of people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that you have to put in the time, which generally seems to your, I think you're, it's funny you say six months before getting started. In October 2020, I had the idea for the tilt. We launched in April. Yeah. There you six go. Six months. Almost yeah, right on I've, the dime. So, yeah. So this, and I can tell you that my June, I was supposed to launch my little thing. I wanted to launch it at CEX. Um, and that's just not going to happen. My original idea for what I want to, my little thing that I want to launch is I had at Thanksgiving in November of last year. Um, and based on no, <laughs> no, no, no small input from you who were like, um, what the hell are you doing? And why are you not doing this? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> So, which completely ruined my Thanksgiving. But um, other than that, I thank you for it. Um, but then, yeah. So November. So I was going to launch about six months later here at uh, at CEX, and and um, you know, and, and it didn't happen. And so because of so much of what I just talked about, and so I I said, oh, I'm going to push it out till June first because that a that feels like a fun day. Um, and June is also my birthday month, so. Uh, I, it, it, it's like, you gotta, you gotta feel right. It's gotta feel right to you. And, and it, and it, 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 there's a lot to be said for making sure that you're in this for the long game, right? You're not, if you're, if you're thinking that you're going to flip this thing in a week or overnight, you should go buy an NFT, right? You should just go buy an NFT and try and flip it because building this thing is going to just, it's going to take time. It's, you got to be passionate about it. You got to be, you got to feel like doing it, whether or not you're making money. And then, then you can turn it into a business. It's so true. Um, I mean, so Claire McDermott, who, you know, we've worked with forever. So she runs Raven research and she put this whole thing together. She put together some key points from the research. And she says here, the first dollar arrives quickly, but independence takes time. So she goes on and she says, no matter what people say about the low barriers to entry for creators, which is great, right? 
There are almost no barriers for somebody to get into this business. She's saying that runway, and I love how she's calling it runway, may be the single biggest stumbling block. And she's all about shortening the runway. Like, how do we shorten that time to independence, which right now seems to be about a year and a half, which yeah. is it is what it is. And it's been there. I mean, when I wrote Content Inc. back in 2015, it was about a year and a half. We talked about 12 to 18 months when we did all the, I mean, we did our interviews. We only interviewed like 20 or 30 people at the time. Now we're interviewing a thousand. And that just seems to be you know, the amount of time. And it's really hard. It's really hard because it's very hard, especially these days, you know, coming out of literally the last two years, it's so hard to picture ourselves 18 months from now, you know, yeah. and especially if this is something that you're doing as, and by the way, this, this, pertains just as much to a business launching a content marketing program as it does to someone launching their own uh, individual content creator platform, which is, you know, it's so hard to envision what you're all about 18 months from now and and go, am I still, you know, is, is what I'm going to be talking about still going to be relevant, you know, in December 2023? And, and when I think about that it's like it's just a really hard thing to en- envision what you need to remember is that right now as we sit here in April of uh, uh you know and 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 May of 2022 just think about the person that you were last year at the beginning of last year and it's not really all that different if you think about it and so how are you going to use because it just goes by so quickly the time goes by so quickly that you just have to focus and the more you can focus and the more you can invest in this thing the faster it will go but we you you've got a plan for the fact that the because runway not only means how do you shorten the runway but it's how do you lengthen the runway for the thing that's going to help supplement you until you can get your thing launched right because until you can become independent You've got to have another way to pay the rent. And That's so right. how are you paying the rent while you get your, you know, while you get your thing off the ground? And again, that applies to a content marketer as well. How are you going to deliver results as this blog or this resource center you want to launch also takes a year and a half to get going? I, a lot of people know this story, but it's worth saying because we're talking about it right now. But if I if if my wife and I didn't set up our living environment on the fewest amount of expenses possible, there would have been no Content Marketing Institute. It never would have Tito's happened. Tito's was right at the top Tito's of was, oh Tito's my God, was right Tito's, yeah. oh, yeah, that's geez. number one. Bring it back, good yeah. good memories or bad memories, <laughs> depending yeah. on the day. But we, we launched the business in April 2007, and luckily I knew it was going to take time. I didn't realize how long it was going to take because by September of 2009, so this is two and a half years later, Still was not financially independent. From I mean, yeah. I was basically doing any kind of speaking gig, consulting gig. You know, you and I were working on some stuff. I had all sorts of ideas, and finally, we came up with the idea for Content Marketing Institute, and that launched in May of 2010. That's prob when that launched. The first 30 days, we all felt this was going to be something. Like we hit it. Everyone was excited about it. We knew what we were doing. Then in that September, later that, uh, that year in September, we, we announced we were going to do Content Marketing World. We were hoping for 100 people. We ended up getting 600, and then the story goes from there. So really, four years it took. Now, it might sound like a long time, 
But then once you get to that point, it really moved fast and revenue came much quicker than we anticipated. So, you know, we were on Inc.'s, you know, fastest growing 500 private companies for four years in a row or something like that. It was something crazy. And we went from basically zero to 10 million in revenue in about four years. And that's how it happens. And that's why last episode, when we were talking about Morning Brew, for four years, they were just working it out. They didn't even know if they had a business model there. Now, when you look at two years, three years later, I mean, they're a $50 million plus company. They're growing like crazy. Uh, Great exits for the founders. So the opportunity here for you is, yes, the barriers to entry are low. And you're not going to get it right the first time, but you have to set up your life so that you can make it, you know, the 18 months. Because right now we haven't figured out a way to lower that number. Well, it's 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 funny that you mentioned that too, because I've literally spent the last week back in 2009 and 2010 and 2011 because for my presentation for uh, CEX, which I'm so glad that you reviewed and, and know so well, um, that you, you know exactly what I'm going to talk about. No, it's fun that it'll be a surprise for you because one of the things that I did was I got to go back in time and remember that when I left my job, so I left my job after having dinner with you and sort of going all in with CMI in, in, in 2009 and we decided to write a book and we were going to do all the things and I was going to become a content creator uh, for for myself as well as for CMI and and go sort of all in on that. And in the meantime, I was still paying rent by, you know, being a consultant on email marketing and SEO and, you know, all the stuff that I knew how to do, but wasn't terribly interested in doing much anymore of, you know, doing advertising, media buys for small companies, you know, working for agencies on various projects of building websites and, you know, still doing HTML to some extent. And, you know, I'm coming off a CMO job and I'm now doing HTML and whatnot. So I'd constructed my life so that I could actually do the thing that I really wanted to do. And I knew it was going to take time for me to actually start generating revenue. I say all that because for me, it was almost 24 months. And one of my slides in the in the presentation that I'll give talks about 2011 when we announced the consulting group. Yep. Um, I actually have a screenshot from the website um, from CMI's website um, from 2011, where we announced the the new consulting group that will be headed by Robert Rose and blah, blah, blah. And it was this wonderful sort of pivot point for me because from that point forward, I was sort of, that was my dollar one, right? And then it took a little more time to sort of become my living, but it became, I became a content creator driven by the content that I was creating and my revenue model was the, the consulting, consulting that I got out of it. Consulting coaching, so, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. It, that was, by the way, man, I really, it's so nostalgic about those times. <laughs> oh, it's, you know. I mean, because you, you and I, a lot of people don't know this, but of course we, of course we met in Chicago at a at Scott Abel's content strategy event, but what was it, six months later, we started working. No, on- you, know who's, you know whose event that was? You know whose event that was? It wasn't actually Scott Abel's event. He was, he was one of the organizers of it. Um, but it was, uh, God, what's his name? Steven, uh, it was the web 2.0 content. It was still oh my God, web 2.0. Steve, yes, you're was, right. I'm sorry. You're uh, absolutely right. About it's that. all right. No, he was, Scott Abel was there. Um, as were 
a number of content strategy people that we know and love. You know, Christina Halverson was there and Lisa Welshman was there. And, you know, there was there were so many sort of OG content people there um, at this event. Uh, and uh, but it was called Content 2.0 was the was the uh, because it was taking advantage of the Web 2.0 yep. sort of idea, which was so funny because we were everybody was all about social media and we were talking about what Southwest Airlines was doing and. You know, that was the you you and I had the exact same case study in our presentation because I was talking about Southwest Airlines and their the way they did things and you were talking about Southwest Airlines and the way they did things and it was and we were like, Hey, we're giving almost the same presentation here. But we but I felt really out of place at that event because most of the people that you were mentioning and everybody else there, they were hardcore content strategists. And I of was course, not. I absolutely. was coming from the marketing yeah. side. So it was a lot of people don't realize this, but when you say content strategy and content marketing, there are two fiefdoms completely yes. separate. There's some people That's that right. cross both, but they are very, very separate. They not maybe not as separate as they used to be. Not definitely not. But definitely at not. the time there was like don't oh, I mean there the were time. some people out there that said do not it was call Game me of a Thrones content marketer. Yeah. That's right. It was Game of Thrones time. Oh yeah. It was gosh. definitely you know, the Baratheons versus the, you know. The, well, I did the, a couple podcasts yeah. with Christina Halverson, who is in, definitely in the content strategy camp. And we did a content strategy versus content marketing. And then she wanted a big old fight. And I'm like, it's not a fight. We're on the same team. It's just it's just different yeah. parts of the process. And these days, literally, we're on the same team. Exactly. I mean, it is, it, is, oh. it is becoming much more, you know, I've been hopeful that a lot of my work over the last five years have been around bringing together those ideas and where content marketers need to pull in the skills of content strategy and vice versa, uh, by the way, because it's not all about, you know, the the governance and the metadata, but nor is it all about storytelling and, and you know, platforms. Yep. So um, okay. all those kinds of let, things. Let's, let me go through some of these and we can, we can talk yeah, about yeah. our Oh, yeah, I got you completely off track God, with the we, whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, we get distracted. We could talk about anything. It just, uh, just depends on where we want to go. Okay. So we talked about the runway idea. Uh, yeah. From she, She's got in here, no unicorns, just workhorses, which is interesting. So I want to talk about execution here. This is a lot of times what we found out is people think of content creators, they think of the Mr. Beast, the PewDiePies, the Joe Rogans, the, the, you know, the big unicorns that you know, get all the press. But what we found is successful creators who are financially independent, they're not the Mr. Beast of the world. They don't have a huge idea. They're usually in a niche industry, and they just do the work on a consistent basis. And they don't want, you know, at least they say, they don't need a ton of money. They want enough that they don't have to worry about going to work with anybody else. And then it all goes into execution, which is really boring, but absolutely true. The creators, the content entrepreneurs who are making a sustainable living, they absolutely treat it like a business. They love creating and sharing content, but they understand that it's just part of the job. And what we've also found out is passion sometimes is there, but passion is not necessary. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to create content about the thing that you're passionate about. And I think a lot of people think that that's, oh, my God, I love sports collectibles, so I'm doing a podcast on sports collectibles. No, you don't have to. You, you, don't, you can have expertise in other areas and create content. You don't, but it helps. I would say it it helps. It helps. It's, it's, it, but, but it's, not a, it's not a prerequisite, but it definitely helps. If, look, I learned this 20 years ago when I was in the, uh, the content management business because we sold content management systems to – 
every kind of company that you can imagine. Um, and, you know, from everything from financial services to cool, you know, Adidas to, you know, cool uh, social media networks to, you know, I mean, anything you can think of, we were selling content management services into. And we had a saying, which was, don't get close to the content because it's really hard on the, uh, you know, if you're working in that business, if you're not interested in the topic, like if you're completely disinterested, it's much harder to get motivated around it if, and if, if, rather than if you're passionate about it. Like it's just easier. It's just better it, if you're passionate about it. Now, I don't think that's a prerequisite. I agree with the finding 100% that you don't have to be passionate about a topic to make it successful, but it helps. It does help, but the data is telling us most people are not creating content around their passion. They're just not. So I think that's what a lot of people think, oh, my God, I'm not super passionate about this. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Oh, my God. Me, people be shocked to hear, I'm not super passionate about content marketing. I'm not. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that segmented by those who are successful versus those who are struggling at it. All right. Well, all we're looking at right now is content I entrepreneurs know. who I, are making right. it. It, to- okay. Totally get Got it. it. Right. Totally get it. Totally get it. But I would, but I would, I would hazard a guess. This is just a, a hypothesis, a gut instinct, that those who take that hockey stick up into success are those who either find interest in it. It's you know, different. And I don't mean like that's different. I don't finding interest is different than following your passion. Well, I find okay. interest in yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, yes. see, I, I think that we have to. I think that we're talking about the same thing, Robert. We're just not saying, oh, my God, I've had this passion to do this my whole life. And no, I'm no, I get that. I get that. I love football, but I would never launch a football podcast because I there just you don't, go. I don't. Yeah, like you know I, mean. I would it's say like, that you're passionate about the Dallas Cowboys, but you know that that's a very tough content model when you got 70,000 right. other people trying to do it and none of them are successful. It's just too much competition. That's right. Not that's right. Well, it's the Dallas Cowboys, too. I mean, how can people be successful with that? Oh, oh he went there. Oh, he did. Yeah. He did. Oh, damn. That is crazy. Damn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so just to finish up this whole thing we were talking about, yeah. execution. This is the last part I want to cover, and then you and I, you and I can talk a little bit. But yeah. the, they're tre- the content entrepreneurs are treating it like a business. And when I say treating it like a business, you have to realize that content creation for a content entrepreneur is a very small part overall of what they're doing. Say something between 20 and 30%. I mean, it's still, still the biggest thing that they do, yeah. but what yeah, are they doing? That's right. Marketing, sales, promotion, yep. distribution, managing contractors, managing other people, that's right. managing employees. Yep. It is very hard to run a business. So you have to just... So a lot of people will say, okay, well, uh, there's co- content creators might not be making a lot of money. There's a lot of them fail. Well, first of all, in general, U.S. small businesses, 20% fail, according to the Small Business Administration. So you've got 20 business, 20% right off the bat, they're going to fail in the first year. By the end of the fifth year, you've got more than half that are done. And then yeah. after 10 years, you've got a third left. That's probably similar to what you, you're going to see with a content entrepreneur, the same type of thing. And that's why yeah. you've got to make sure that you set this up for patience and that it's going to take time. And you have to remember that you look at you, what, what metrics are you going to look at if you have the long view. And I think that if, if, if I'm looking at this, if I, I look back and say, okay, I started in 2007, we had a successful exit. 
in 2016. If you'd have said nine years for a successful exit, I'd have said, I'll take it. Because there's not many businesses that you can get that. There's not many yep. you know, people in general that are, that are able to do that. But if you have that long-range outlook and that runway, you can be successful. And that's, I guess, what I'll talk about in the research is it's a business first. We say content entrepreneur, but it's really entrepreneur content because, first of all, you're running a business. That's right. Yeah, we, I mean, and we've seen that, by the way. I've done plenty of research uh, into audiences uh, of small businesses where that exact same pattern exists, right? You know, lawyers are a great one. You know, there uh, there is a statistic about uh, solopreneur lawyers that I think it's only 30% of them go beyond 18 months. And the reason is because what lawyers, solopreneurs discover is they they start, they hang up their own shingle, start their own practice, and then realize that they're not in the business of practicing law. They're actually in the business of marketing and accounting yeah. and closing new business and contract management and all the things that they don't like to do, except for, you know, they love to practice law. And so they realize that their bill, and this is a real number, I don't know how current it is, but it, this is a couple of years old now, that it's 22% of their time is actually spent billable. And for a lawyer, billable time is everything. Everything, yeah. And so, and so they, they realize that if they can only spend 22 to 28%, you know, up to a third of their time being billable, that's not a tenable business for them. And so what do they do is they, about, they discover that about a year or so in, and by 18 months, they've, they've quit and gone to join a big firm. And so one of the things that they see is, is that if they can figure out how to manage that, how to manage the idea of getting marketing going, getting time management better, getting you know, billable better, getting you know, solutions in place for them to be able to do that, that they can up their billable time. And if they can last past 18 months, then they can pretty much do anything they want at that point. Yeah, it's, I think that when, and I've, I've talked to a ton of content entrepreneurs out there, and they really do think that most of their time is spent on social media and creating all this content and repurposing all this content. And yes, it does take some time, but about 30% of your time, <laughs> honestly, if you're yeah, doing it right. That's right. If you're spending all yeah. your time on just the content creation stuff, you're probably not doing the marketing stuff that you're supposed to be doing, or you're probably not thinking about the product that you'll ultimately launch, or you're not thinking about how do you handle the contractor agreements in the right way so that you know both sides are happy and you could have a functioning business. So yeah, I mean, wrapping this up, you... You don't need uh, to be in the most popular industry. You just need what we call a content till, right? We talk about it all the time. You need a fresh take on your niche. You need entertaining and engaging content. It doesn't have to be necessarily pretty. It just has to be good and consistent. You have to have this adequate runway, and you have to know that this is hard work every day. And you got to get up and do this thing and make it go. Uh, we did some findings on what they make, and at, on average, a full-time creator is generating over $100,000 in revenue. Um, that's that's full-time. That's average. The median revenue level, which is probably the more accurate one, is $50,000. What's interesting, Robert, is, by the way, that's revenue. That's not profit. 
So, That's right. So yeah. that's very important. And there's costs associated with that. Now, what's funny is what I guess what's interesting is most of the creators that we talk to, they don't want to be millionaires necessarily. They don't say they have to be millionaires. They say they'd like to earn about 50 percent more than what they're getting right now. And they would be happy. The most important thing is in this whole thing, Robert, is they don't want to work for somebody else <laughs> ever again. Yeah. That's really like fiercely, fiercely independent. And that's why I, I want you to absolutely imagine. That. Yeah. Once yeah. you get to and you're trying to get to revenue quickly enough, because once you get that taste of revenue and you say, oh, I can actually do this thing. You're like, I'm never going back. So it's really interesting. Did you segment them as does the research segment them out by people who are full time at this versus part time? Yes, at this? absolutely. We've got a side yeah. hustle part time versus full time. So we're now I'm only yeah. talking about the full time. Yeah, gotcha. So. Yeah, so those that's the that's the and that's the real key, right? Because it's a it's a I'm sure it's a evolution for most people, right? That you know that the they don't start out full time. Very few. I there can, are. I, I mean, what we call the side. I'm hustle. sure there are some. Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. And the, the, the whole key is, is how do we get you full time as quickly as possible? Because yeah, with part time, right. you're in trouble. You're in trouble in a number of ways. First of all, you're delaying your time. You're going to absolutely need more runway if you go part time. The other thing is other opportunities happen. You might say, oh, OK, I'm going to go back to work for somebody or I got this job offer. Like you really have to get to commitment as soon as possible. So that's why. When I talk to somebody in there, you know, if I'm doing a little consulting or a little mentorship and they're like, here's where I'm at, whatever. The first thing I have to say is you have to figure out a way that you get to this thing and do this full time as quickly as possible. And I get that's difficult in a lot of situations. You've got a family to take care of. Maybe the opportunity's not there yet, but you have to set the plan to get there as quickly as possible. You cannot be a part time creator, in my opinion, at 99.9% of the time, you will not be successful as a part time creator. You've got to get. The I think time. that's right. Yeah. Yep. I think that's right. I think that's right. And I, and a lot of that has to do with what we just talked about, which is that there are other tasks other than content creation, you know, involved, right? You know, there are, there's marketing, there's you know, audience development, there's technology work that you have to do, there's you know, sales, there's contracts, there's accounting. So it's not just measuring how much time you're spending creating content. It's measuring how much time you're spending doing the whole business. Well, it's it's interesting. I think about the early days of Content Marketing Institute. I, I probably spent the majority of my time as a percentage building relationships with other people and doing so online, uh, building influencer programs, getting people to guest post on the site, going to events and networking. I mean, because... Content Marketing Institute is not one person. It was many, many people that brought that. There was a whole community that that made that thing work. And so a lot of that work was bringing that community together, which is the same thing we're trying to do with with, uh, CEX. So it's not rocket science. It just takes a lot of time. So anyways, that's yes. the kind of the overview. I'm going to be sharing that in my keynote, a much briefer version, because I have 10 minutes to kick this thing <laughs> off before Roberto Blake goes, and uh, who's fantastic. And then, of course, Ann Hanley is going on after, uh, or already did by the time people listen to this. But uh, any overall things that you want to share from, from those uh, findings, if you will? Uh, you know, I, I would say it, 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 it ties in very nicely with the presentation that I'll be giving, um, which is all on audience building and sort of the economics behind knowing your audience and why that's such an important thing. And then I have, I offer up a process for how, uh, a content entrepreneur can research their audience and really understand from a business opportunity, 
what, you know, what it represents. Um, and as I say, you know, I mean, this is, this is, this goes right into what we were just talking about, but you know, one of my main points is that independent of how much success you have, when you have success, like when you hit that pivot point and so many, you know, for so many content creators, that's, there is a, it's not like a, a slow burn over, you know, seven years, right? You, you have that year or you have that quarter or you have that where you, you hit, right? You, you, you strike a match and, and you start to burn. And you could even see that with Content Marketing Institute as well, right? I mean, it was slow going in the first year, the first couple of years, and then it hit, right? You know, arguably for the event, it was a very successful year one, but then years, eh, probably three was probably my, my, you know, my sort of estimation of when things really pivoted, sure. right? Really sort of went, you know, hockey stick from there. And, you know, it's, that's, you know, when we hit the fastest growing company and all those kinds of things. And it's the same for most content creators, I find. But what happens is, is that you either will go find out your audience and what they want and what they need and who they are and what the opportunity is and when you should start to pivot into other revenue models, or someone will do it for you. And one of the things that I talk about is when someone goes out and does it for you, for example, if you want venture funding or if you know somebody comes in and says, hey, I want to buy you, or if someone comes in and says, hey, I want you to, I want to be your exclusive sponsor, you know, all of those big questions where you all of a sudden go, wow, it's about to get real from a revenue perspective. The first question this is going to be, you know, can we talk? And the second question is going to be, tell me about your audience. Yep. And, and if you don't know the answer to that, they'll say fine, but then they're going to go find out. And you can either do that work or you can have someone do it for you. And I'm just going to make the argument in my presentation that it's way better if you do it. It's just way, way better if you do it because then you're going to have much better answers to the all the follow-up questions. What's your monetization plan? What, how are you going to phase in subscription versus advertising? Where are you on influencer marketing? Where are you on content marketing? Where are you on growing your audience into something that is meaningful and revenue generating? Where are, you know, all of those questions that are going to come along with that little pivot point of success are so much easier to answer when you know your audience. And so the, the real focus of my uh, talk is going to feed right off of what you were just saying with the research, which is you got to know your business. You got to know why you're in business and who you're in business for, because if you don't, you, you, you'll end up running into so many other dead ends. It's the business part. Don't forget your, you know, <laughs> you're not doing this to, yeah. to build fame. This is not an influencer. That's right. Well, you may be. Well, you, might, you might be into that okay, just yeah, to build that could, fame, but that could be your goal. It's just not a sustainable business necessarily. It's not. That's right. That's right. That's fleeting, right? And that's that's fleeting. You know. I mean, one of these is a spoiler alert because it will have already have happened by the time this airs. So, one of the examples I use, and this is a fascinating thing. I don't know if you even knew this. <clears throat> I was doing a lot of research into Netflix. So. Tell me what you think the most successful series on Netflix has been over the last, let's call it, uh, eight years, right? Since they've really started into original programming, what's their what's their biggest hit? Well, I thought it was. Well, I would have said at one time Stranger Things, but what was the the Korean show that was just out? The Squid Game. Squid Game. Yeah. I would Squid say Game. Squid Game. Yep. Yeah. So here's fun fact. 
um, the way Netflix measures success is in the number of hours consumed in the first month, which tells you a lot of things about Netflix, by the way, wow. uh, in okay. terms of the way that they measure value, it, because they only care about the first month of a show, really. That's all they, that's, that's where, that clearly it's where they make their money back or not. Um, because it's all about how many new people did they get to subscribe to the, the service. And so I think that'll change, by the way, now that they've sort of had a, uh, you know, this, this major sort of challenge. Um, however, if you look at the top 10, and Variety did a whole research, and I'm going to show this in, the, in my talk, and, and, and it's fascinating. Daily Variety did a, a, a custom research project where they looked at the number of hours, the top, basically the top 10 shows uh, across the last few years. Squid Game is number one for the number of hours uh, consumed in the first month. But basically, if you look at it after that, 70% of all Squid Game uh, watches or hours spent with the show came in the first month. In other words, a whole bunch of people didn't finish Squid Game. Basically, they watched the first two episodes and then quit it and then basically went away. And so you say, is that a success? Is that really a hit? Is that a, is that a long-term business model? So you would, you would argue, I would argue, that Squid Game is not necessarily a long-term business model for a, for a content platform, for a content creator. Might, you know, switching out players in, and shows for Netflix, it might be a great strategy. But for a, the content creator of Squid Game, having 70% of your views come in the first two episodes, is that's not good. That means we were really good at getting them there and really bad at holding them. And so if you look at the others, there are, there are the varying degrees of that, the big hits on Netflix. And so Netflix is not great at keeping viewers on their series for any length of time, save for one. And the one that is, is, is entering its eighth season, and it's the only series, by the way, that has had eight seasons uh, on Netflix, uh, excuse me, seven seasons, um, on, and they're in their seventh season now, is uh, Grace and Frankie which you don't watch, I don't watch, nobody I know really watches, but from the very beginning, they have gotten an audience, a not never hit the top 10, never hit sort of a viral moment, but for eight seasons, eight years basically, they have kept the audience that they have and have become one of, if not the most successful shows for, for Netflix in the process because they kept an audience entertained and engaged for eight years. That is, that's what we're trying for. That's it is not about going viral in month one. It is about keeping someone for eight years. That is a great example. I'm definitely going to steal that example. Yeah. And give you no credit. Come to my, yeah, come to my presentation. Is that in your presentation? Grace and Frankie? It is indeed in my presentation. I won't won't steal it. They know their audience. (laughs) They know their, you don't know their audience. I don't know their audience. I don't, I don't, but they know their audience so well and have kept that. There's another one, which is uh, another one that has kept on that, that actually is in the top 10, which I, again, I didn't know about, but it's this, uh, who killed Sarah yeah, I don't series, know that which is a, it's a, it's a Mexican series, uh, very shot in the very telenovela way, but, uh, they're on their third season, I think. And their views are almost equal in month one, month two, and month three of any of their given seasons. Um, and so the, they basically, they keep people hooked. They keep people hooked in, and you know, once you're in, you're in that kind of thing. That's amazing. So 
All right. Well, yeah. I guess I would I just to, to wrap this up, I would tell everyone yeah, that uh, if you want to get uh, the, the research is going to be out in about a month. So if you want to make sure you get the research for free, just go to the tilt.com and you can subscribe to that, the tilt.com and you'll get the notifications on the research. But I'm looking forward to seeing you. Hopefully by it's this time that, that yeah. people hear this, yeah. they it was a success. Nobody was were seriously injured. And oh my gosh. <laughs> is that is that the bar? Is that the bar we're going for there? Is it that nobody was seriously injured? You know what? I mean it's it's interesting. You know, when you got me there, I mean I'm, with as much drinking as we'll do, I mean I suppose that is a risk. I've been I've been to a lot of first year events and you you feel a vibe right away, right? You're like, what's the vibe? I'm interested to feel and to see what the vibe of this event is going to be. I can't wait. Yeah, I can't so wait. Hopefully, to feel it's it. one and of those where, yeah, I'm really liking this vibe, and and I want to make sure that that I keep coming. Oh, back. and there's so many cool people that are going to be there too. I mean, Jeremiah Oyang is going to be there, and Anne is going to be there, and um, there's just I'm going to get to see some old friends. It's just going to be awesome. A little family reunion. So yeah, there you go. Well, awesome. That's it. That's all I got. Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, let's uh, let's cut this then, and uh, and let's say that well, we'll be back with our regular news and snarkiness uh, next week. But in the meantime, if you want to get all the goodness of any of this podcast show notes, which this episode will have none of, by the way, um, <laughs> we'll dive into any of the other three hundred and twenty-one episodes that you might dive into because they do have plenty of show notes. And subscribe, won't you? Get a subscription going if you haven't already. Tell a friend if you haven't already. Give us a rating if you haven't already. And most importantly, get on over to Twitter. Hashtag us up with this old marketing um, to give us story ideas because we need those story ideas for the news. It helps us build the news and it helps us build a better show for you. And you get a shout out on the actual show itself. But until we meet again next week, just remember it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. Marketing.